This is Inside Redeemer with Jerry Wellbanks. This is Sunday, October the 23rd, 2011. Our Sunday worship services is being broadcast from the Redeemer Lutheran Church located at 5700 Lawndale Street in Houston, Texas. The Reverend Grant Housewright will deliver the gospel and lectern Bill Andrew will read the scripture. Our Sunday worship services begin at 10.30 a.m. Good morning. How is everyone? All scale of emotions, probably, as usual. And that's good. That's all right. I want to welcome everyone here today. I'm glad you're here. It's good that the Spirit has gathered us together to enjoy one another only because of God's Spirit. Thank you for being here. I want to, uh, do we have any visitors here we haven't seen in a while, in a long time? We sure do. We have, yeah, Valerie's back with visitors though, new visitors. Jean and Elaine Griffin are back here in the row right in front of the organ. They're friends of Nancy's, well they're friends of mine now too. It took some time and it cost me a lot of money, but they're my friends now too. And uh, they're from uh, the state of good, great state of Kansas, central Kansas. And they practically grew up together on the same street for many years. And so they've been down here for a few days. Elaine is the president of a, of a chapter in central Kansas of the uh, Sweet Adelines. And that whole international group receiving awards and competing this weekend at the Toyota Center. And it was quite a time. So we had a lot of fun and, and uh, that's why they were here. Uh, the, they came to see us as a second choice. The main reason was the Sweet Adelines. Elaine and Jean, thank you very much for being here. I want to make sure that uh, everyone remembers that today there will be a potluck following worship. And uh, before we get into the worship, we will have uh, a temple talk from uh, Leonard Tuman and uh, Rob Work, the chairperson of our stewardship committee will speak to us as well. Also, please remember that uh, Young at Heart takes place this coming Wednesday. And next Sunday, being Reformation Sunday, is the fifth Sunday of the month. So that is the uh, Sunday of the month that we have our uh, favorite hymn Sunday. So if you have not yet placed... A, uh, a sheet of paper with your favorite hymn number written on it in the basket there on the piano, please do so. Some see it as a Stump the Organist Sunday. Some people have tried that. But so far, so good. It's not going to happen. You cannot stump this organist. Now, also, a week from tomorrow is a Trunk and Treat. And uh, if you have not yet brought some wrapped candy for Trunk and Treat, uh, please do so. You can still do that. Uh, also, on Monday, which is Halloween, when we have our trunk and treat, that will take place between 6 and 8 p.m. But folks will be here to start setting up at 4 p.m. And if you can make it here to help, that would be wonderful. Appreciate that very much. At this time, would the uh, young people please come forward? In other words, my brother's up here and I'm coming too.
That's the interpretation I got out of it. Hey, hey, this is wonderful. Look, keep scooting down here. We've got, got to make room. Got to make room for the women folk. Non-chauvinistically speaking, of course. There we go. We got a nice, tall, young person who showed up here. Not talking about me. All right. Good, good morning. So, hi. Young man. Uh-huh. Be thinking about what you're going to do here for a game that we're going to play. Has anybody heard of the game Simon Says? All right. Do you enjoy that? Your whole hand. Good morning. And good. You look so nice today. But you look great, Jacob. Hey, you look wonderful yourself. Now look. Simon Says. Who does not know how to play Simon Says? Keep your hand down. No, not you. I'm talking to Leonard. Okay. (laughs) All right. Simon Says is a game you play that you do something. If I say Simon Says, raise your hand... Then you raise your hand. If I don't say Simon says, you don't do it. Okay? Simon says, raise your hand. All right? Simon says, put your hand down. Okay. Simon says, put your hands on your head. Simon says, take your hands down. Simon says, clap your hands two times. All right, now clap your hand one time. Ah, I didn't say Simon Says. See, it's got to be Simon Says. All right. Yeah, they said, I didn't know. Yes, you did. I saw you do it. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. I was rather, no, I saw it. No, she didn't know. (laughs) That's what we need. Witnesses. Okay. Simon Says, put your arms straight up in the air. Put your arms down. Oh, nope, you gotta say, Simon says. You were about to, but oh, no, you weren't. Oh, yes, I was. Okay. Simon says, put your arms down. Simon says, thank you, Pastor. All right, that's great. Now, look. God says, love one another. God says, be kind to each other. God says, have patience with your little son, Leonard. God says, when someone needs to eat and they are hungry, you feed them. The devil comes around and says, do this wrong thing or do this bad thing. You don't do it, right? Because it's not what God says. Simon Says is a fun game. But what we listen to is God Says. God Says. To be kind to each other. To give each other a warm smile. Okay, let's do a warm smile. That's, those are, oh, those are, that, Julian, that was a good smile. It's what God wants us to do. And what he talks to us about is what we listen to. I was just telling my class upstairs, the only thing you should really do in this world are things that come from here. Your heart, your conscience, what God says comes from here. Not what other people say, only what God says. Sometimes God will talk to you about what other people say. 
But the most important thing to remember, and this is what I want you to go home with today, is don't ever do anything bad or wrong to other people, no matter what. And remember also, if you do something wrong, Jesus does forgive you because Jesus loves you. Jesus is your very, very best friend and will always be there for you. But only do what he says. Okay? It's not always easy, but it's the best thing in the world. You just keep trying. If you have a hard time sometime, give me a call. I'll talk with you. Thanks, you guys. Take care. You may return from whence you came. You know where that is? Yeah, you know where that is by now, right? You know, Leonard Tooman stayed up here when I said everybody can leave, but he's staying here. Because a couple of weeks ago, Leonard, oh, sorry. <laughs> Leonard, uh, family got sick when he was going to talk to us and do a temple talk and he couldn't do it that day and he came to me today and said I really 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 would like to do that because you asked me to I want to fulfill that responsibility so Leonard's going to speak to us and we are very grateful to him good morning <laughs> uh, well Pastor asked me to speak this morning about uh, talent. Is it on? Yeah, I want to make on. sure it's Can you on. hear me? Can everyone hear me? All right. Okay. All right. Well, he asked me to speak about talent, and uh, I have to <laughs> I have to speak to you all about a talent that I don't have, which is speaking in front of people. Uh, completely nervous, so sorry. Um, but the first thing is, is I have to ask myself, what is a talent? I mean, the first thing... Um, that comes to mind is like juggling or, you know, tap dancing or something like that. But uh, I just didn't want to speak about something that's so obvious. Um, I was I was reading the Bible, and uh, what what spoke out to me was in Matthew twenty five verses uh, fourteen through thirty, where God speaks about talent. Actually, he gives talent to uh, three men. And these three men, the first one, God gives him five talents. And it's not juggling or or tap dancing. It's actually, uh, I I believe it's money. And uh, that's what a talent is also. Can everyone hear me? Okay. So, God gives this first man uh, three talents. And he gives the second man two talents. And he gives the third man <clears throat> a uh, one talent. And uh, like I said, I believe it's money. It didn't really go into detail about it. But they went on their way with their talents. And then a time goes by and uh, that God comes to reckon with him or them. And uh, he asked them, what did you do with your talent? And the first man with the three talents said... I took the talent you gave me, and I'm, I'm sorry, it wasn't three. The first one had five talents. I took your talents, and I made five more talents. So here's your talents that you gave me, and here's five more. And the same with the second. He took his three, doubled it, and gave it back to God. The third 
and last man buried his talent and didn't do anything with it. Didn't double it, didn't do anything with it, which is a shame. And uh, actually God dealt with him. But what I, uh, what I really pulled from the story is that a talent is given to us to be shared. And it is made to benefit us, ourselves and others. So everyone is given a talent, and it's designed to be um, used, that's right, used and shared. And uh, that's one of the reasons why I, uh, me and my wife and my sons, which you met him this morning, uh, Denise, my beautiful wife, and my two sons, Leo and Christian, we picked this church because of the talents that we obviously felt walking in the door, the talents of everyone. I mean, we're going to have a feast today because of the wonderful talents that people have brought today. So... I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart, bottom of my wife's heart, uh, for everything y'all have done for us. And uh, it's such a beautiful thing. Thank you so much. God bless y'all. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Now that's a tough act to follow. <laughs> uh, thank you, Leonard. That was a, that was a great presentation on non-talent and, and how... How stewardship works in the church. I'm going to talk about. He took. He, you picked one of my favorite ones too that I like when I talk about stewardship. So I'm glad you used that one. And I, and I was thinking about doing that on my ta- on my speech too. And I thought, you know, the one that came to mind that was most fitting for me this year, I guess, and it had to do with stewardship. Had to do when Jesus was in the temple, and they were collecting their 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 tithes at the time, and the rich were coming by and putting their money in, and then one poor. Uh, lady put her few coppers in and it was very very little and Jesus pointed out to his disciples he said who do you think was giving the most of themselves for that at that time and actually the disciples I think caught that right off the bat and they said that the, the poor lady was because she gave more of herself in what little she had to give than the rich that could do it all with no with no suffering so I want to take that into where we talk about time in our, in our stewardship this year. It's, it's easy to give when you have plenty and you don't, and, and it doesn't bother you. It's real difficult to give when you don't have it. And uh, for all, a lot of us, the last few years, with the way the economy has gone, it's been difficult. And this has been one of the tough years for myself personally, so I can understand that, and I, and I really appreciate what it means to give to the church. But you have to look at what you're doing, not only don't look at, when, I'm, when we talk today about stewardship, don't look at it as being just about money. Look about it, what you can do with your time and your efforts and things you can give to the church. There are many of us here that do that, and I appreciate everybody that does that. Um, don't feel that if you don't have a lot of time or things like that, there are plenty of things that our church can utilize your time with. And if it's only a few hours a week or a month, they can really appreciate that. So think about that. Uh, this year, I've, I've handed out pledge cards. We're going to have that after after the uh, the service today. We're going to have a, a fellowship meal, and we'll we'll pass we'll uh, collect those at that time. Or if you're going to leave, you can fill those out, and put them in the offering plate. That'd be great. 
I'll, I'll explain it to you briefly and let it go with that. The pledge card, it is basically for us to be able to look at our budget for Redeemer. I understand tithing is a very personal thing to every one of us. You don't, it's, it's, it's hard to feel comfortable putting you know, dollars out in front of it when it ties to your church, and I appreciate that. Um, if you can do that, that's fine. If you can't, if you just acknowledge on your pledge card that you don't at this time want to pledge at this point, put a dollar amount, just do that. That helps us out in, the, in our finance, in our, in our, our council, to look at that we've, we've read out to you. We've given you the opportunity to put that in, and it helps us with our budgeting. It makes us look forward to what we can do in 2012, and later on we're going to talk a little bit about that in our time and talents things, about how we want to focus on our efforts here at Redeemer next year in 2012. So I appreciate y'all's time and your effort and everything I've done for this church. I've done, y'all been a wonderful congregation for all of us, and it's been like a big family here for everybody, and some of the new people feel that way too. So I think Leonard has just expressed that as well. So I want to thank you for your time. If you'll handle the pledge cards at the end of the day, I, I appreciate it. Thank you. Rob Work and Rod Campbell and Pastor Bill Putman are on their stewardship committee. And uh, we all kind of put this together for the past few weeks, and I appreciate every single one of you. Thanks very, very much. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The Lord is our refuge. Before the mountains and the earth and lands were created, may the graciousness of the Lord God be upon us. Let us pray the prayer of the day. 
O Lord God, you are the holy lawgiver. You are the salvation of your people. By your spirit, renew us in your covenant of love and train us to care tenderly for all our neighbors. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. You may be seated for the lessons, the readings, and the uh, children are excused for Sunday school. Good morning. Our first reading this morning is from the book of Leviticus. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. You shall not render an unjust judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great. With justice you shall judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people. And you shall not profit by the blood of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate in your heart any one of your kin. You shall reprove your neighbor, or you will incur guilt yourself. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against any of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Our second reading this morning is from the Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. You yourselves know, brothers and sisters, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully mistreated at Philippi, as you know, we had courage in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in spite of great opposition. For our appeal does not spring from deceit or impure motives or trickery. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the message of the gospel, even so we speak not to please mortals, but to please God, who tests our hearts. As you know, and as God is our witness, we never came with words of flattery or with a pretext for greed, nor did we seek praise from mortals, whether from you or from others, though we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, like a nurse tenderly caring for her own children. So deeply do we care for you that we are determined to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves because you have become very dear to us. Please rise for the hallelujah. The Holy Gospel for this day is written in the Gospel according to St. Matthew in the 22nd chapter. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to them, he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question. What do you think of the Messiah? Whose son is he? They said to him, the son of David. And he said to them, How is it then that David by the Spirit calls him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If David thus calls him Lord, how can he be his son? No one was able to give him an answer. Nor from that day did anyone 
dare to ask him any more questions. The Gospel of the Lord. I'm glad to see everybody here today. I want to announce that uh, we, uh, at the um, funeral service for James Will yesterday, we got the word from uh, Marion Cook's daughter, uh, Cindy, that Marion's in the hospital at uh, South uh, East Memorial. I wanted to uh, announce that to you. I just now remembered that. Marion Cook, Southeast Memorial Hospital. You know, sometimes when you read the scripture, it happens to me a lot as I'm standing up here and I read the gospel. And today I almost fell into that trap of adding something to the gospel. It's amazing to me. At the end of the gospel it says, No one was able to give him an answer. Nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. And I just wanted to say, and I don't blame him. Who would want to ask any more questions of Jesus after he continually traps you with some of your stinking thinking that goes on and Jesus jumps on us every time. And really the only thing we ever have to really talk about from up here in this box is what I talked about with the confirmation students this morning. Is it, it all continues to boil down to one thing, and it's in our gospel today. When Jesus talked to the disciples and no, to, the, to the lawyer, asked him a question, and Jesus said in verse 37, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And in 39, verse 39, he said, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's exactly with all the questions and all the answers that Jesus gives his disciples, that is what to which it boils down. Grace and peace be to you from God and the Lord Jesus Christ. May the Holy Spirit guide you today and always. Amen. Having been found guilty of a certain criminal offense and a string of offenses... The defendant stood before the judge for his sentence. Prisoner at the bar, said the judge, you have been found guilty on 19 counts. Therefore, I hereby sentence you to five years on each count for a total of 95 years. Your Honor, he said, I'm not able to serve that much time. I'm already 75 years old, he said through his tears. And the judge's facial expression softened. He says, I know. I know the sentence is pretty severe. But you don't have to serve the whole of it. And the prisoner's eyes lit up with hope. And he said, that's right, said the judge. Just do as much as you can. I read that story nine days ago. And I couldn't wait to tell you it. The story is told of a man who asked the question, what is the devil? And before anyone could reply, the man supplied his own answer. Answer: A devil, he said, is not a monster with horns and a harpoon tail and wicked glitter in his eye. Nope. The devil is inertia. The devil is doing nothing. Following the lines of least resistance. That's the devil. Now the definition, and I made sure before I spoke this morning that there were no professors of mine from seminary before I began this sermon. 
Because I don't think this definition would satisfy most theologians, but it does make a point. Because when Jesus asks us to turn in our lives upside down, when Jesus asks us to do something with the talents God has given us, we're supposed to follow his radical love. And we respond with the lines of most resistance, not the least resistance. And if we respond with the lines of least resistance, then we find ourselves in the corner with the devil. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and love your neighbor as much as you love yourself, as it says in today's gospel. Now, throughout the gospel, Jesus continually calls out our do-nothing sometimes, our inertia. He calls out our um, calls us out of the devil's corner and into the kingdom of radical love, not just for a day and not just for a year, not just for five years but or 95 years, but for life. We ask so many, we hear so many questions, especially I hear these questions of very, very young people. Why did God make me? And why did God make us? Well and good for St. Paul, said the Ephesians, when he answered the question in so many different theological terms, they said to him, but we need a concrete answer. So he summed it up in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. In clear and unambiguous down-to-earth language, Paul said five words, to be full of love. To be full of love. That is what it is called the most radical thought that has ever come out of any mind of any person. When you look around and see all the people searching for the meaning of life, when you look around in all the vain attempts to find identity in a fickle world, all the desperate struggles that we possess that stand in the way of this enduring love that we are asked to exude upon our fellow human beings, in all this acceptance which we try to put out, if we don't do that, and if we don't try our very, very best in the midst of all those struggles, then we did not hear those five words, to be full of love. There is no difficulty, and I've lived long enough to say this and I know it. There is no difficulty that enough love will not conquer. I know it, I've experienced it, and so have you. There is no disease that enough love will not heal. We know it, we've met people, you might even be one of those people to know it. No door that enough love will not open, no gulf that enough love will not bridge, no wall that enough love will not throw down, and absolutely no sin that enough love will not redeem and forgive. It makes no difference the trouble It makes no difference how deeply seated a trouble is, how hopeless the outcome, the outlook, how muddled the tangle, 
how great the mistake. A sufficient realization of love will dissolve every single bit of it. If only we could love enough to be the happiest and most powerful being in the whole wide world. The Lord Jesus Christ came to you and me as a person for others. And one of the things about Jesus that the early disciples found so difficult to accept is that he came not to be ministered to, but uh, he came not to be ministered unto, but to minister to. They didn't accept it really until after the resurrection when Jesus began to tell them that the Messiah was supposed to be a servant, a suffering servant, they were incredulous when he said that he was going to have to suffer and die on behalf of others, they could not believe it, they could not stand it. And Simon Peter, the rock, was the first one to acknowledge Jesus as the Messiah, also said, God forbid this, God forbid this. It's never going to happen to you. You're the Lord. You're the Messiah. You're not a servant. And the one thing that we find now find so difficult to accept is that from the beginning, Christ intended for his people to be a servant people. Many of us find it very difficult to learn that the more we concentrate on our own fulfillment, the more we try to get, get, get what we want, the least likely we are to achieve it. The more we concentrate on ourselves, the less likely we are to actually find our true selves. Many of us find it difficult to learn that only when we've opened ourselves up to others can God really shine. That God's love could flow through our being. Many of us find it difficult that only by being attentive to the needs of others can our own deep felt needs be served. Several years ago in a national magazine, an open letter was written from a mom to her daughter. My child, what can I give you? I give you my personal presence in order that you will have security. I give you my ears that, you, uh, that I will never be too busy to listen to you. I give you opportunities so that you might learn to do with dignity and come to enjoy the satisfaction of a work well done. I give you my counsel so that you can avoid some of the mistakes I made. I give you my consolation so that when you fail, you will not be discouraged. I give you instruction in the way of the Lord so that when you grow old, you will not depart from the way of the Lord. I give you my daily prayers that the Lord will keep you safe. And will lift you up in your struggles and keep a watch over you. I give you my unconditional love that I accept you without reservation just as you are. These things I give to you with all my love. Mom. Isn't it amazing sometimes that money can't buy? I've also waited a couple of weeks to talk to you about something I read from uh, the great 
G.K. Chesterton. He's really, really a great writer. And he talks about the beautiful flower, the sunflower. He asks us to consider how the sunflower was created. And he just surmises, as all of us do, what God was going through when he created the world. And we wonder sometimes, when God created the sunflower, or the beautiful blue bonnet that we see down here, or all those great and wonderful flowers, but he mentions the sunflower. And he said, when God created the sunflower, do you think he made all the sunflowers at one time? Or do you think God sat there and made a sunflower and looked at it for a while and backed up and he looked at it and in an inner voice God says you know that's beautiful do it again and so he made another sunflower and he stepped back and said you know those are beautiful I think I'm going to do it again the inner voice said do it again the inner voice again said do it again do it again do it again after a hundred billion trillion sunflowers our almighty creator spun the galaxies in space and created all the animals and that same God who created sunflowers and daisies and blue bonnets and roses with childlike glee is still saying do it again and I wonder about that time on earth where God created the first human being. And he looked at that human being and he said, Ah, oh, that's nice. Do it again. And he did. And for Rochelle, he said, Do it again. For Janet, he said, Do it again. For Paula Putman, he said, Do it again. For Elaine Griffin, he said, Do it again. And he did it again. And he did it again. And here we are in the room of beautiful people where God is still saying from that inner voice, do it again. He saw someone love somebody else. And God again says, do it again. Now may the peace of God, which sometimes eludes our human understanding, Keep our hearts and minds with the kind of faith that only Jesus can give. And that's the kind of faith that will move us from anxiety to rest. Amen. Please stand. Stretch those legs. The bottom of page three, we're now uh, reaffirm our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Let us pray for all the people of God, for the church, 
and all who yearn for the light of Christ. Gathering to worship you and praise you for all your good things is the joy of our hearts. Our gratefulness is matched only by your desire to keep us and make your face shine upon us. May our actions and words show our thankfulness. Hear our prayer, God of power. We praise your abiding guidance, O God, for you have sent us Jesus, our teacher and Messiah, to model for us the way of love for the whole universe. Hear our prayer, God of power. Loving God, open our ears to hear your word and draw us closer to you that the whole world may be one with you as you are one with us in Jesus Christ our Lord. Hear our prayer, God of power. God of mercy and healing, you hear the cries of those in need. Receive the petitions of your people that all who are troubled may know peace, comfort, and courage. Hear the silent and spoken prayers of your people. Hear our prayer, God of power, and grant them a measure of your compassion. God of salvation, who sent your Son to seek out and save what is lost, hear our prayers on behalf of those who are lost in our day, receiving these petitions and thanksgiving, and thanksgivings with your unending compassion. Hear our prayer, God of power, God of peace, bless and guide our elected leaders. Move them to set an example of tolerance and mutual understanding among the nations of your world. Hear our prayer, God of power. We remember with thanksgiving those who have loved you on this earth and now rest with you in your heavenly kingdom. Keep us in fellowship with all your saints. Hear our prayer, God of power. All these things and everything else you see we need, grant to us, O God, for the sake of Jesus who died and rose again, and now reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. Let's join hands and pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Peace, grow in grace.